Good morning, good morning. Yeah, we have hit the start of Stay in the Loop with Lucy and I am so pleased to have you with me this morning. If you haven't joined us before, this is a show that covers health and well-being. Um, Health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences and the lessons they've learned through those experiences. And through those lessons, we learn to um, apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our communities and therefore build programs that that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. Today's show is a show about love and loving unconditionally. So what does that even mean? Now, is it going to be a soppy show that just gushes about how wonderful love is, how we should all be loving to one another and not argue? Uh, Yeah, well, probably. Um, I'll definitely talk about loving each other, but I'm not going to say that it's always easy. So let's break it down, shall we? From my experience, love is who we are. It's what we're made of and it's where we're from. The ageless wisdom has shared that with us for eons. But do we believe it? And more to the point, do we live it? I found that the siblings of that love are truth, harmony, stillness and joy. Love for me is essentially not about a doing. Therefore, I have to ask if what if we're seeing love as a picture with lots of doing, activity that involves flowers and candles and movies and chocolates and smiling, um, being helpful, uh, you know, um, days dedicated to loving, then there's not a lot of being in that, is there? There's not a lot of focus on the long-term being, on the sustenance of love as one of our sources of fuel in our life. But when I really consider the people that I come across that are depressed or that have a lack of oomph in life, a lack of commitment to life, it's the lack of love that they have not honoured. It's the lack of love that they have not felt in their lives. It's been from a doing and not a being. It's looking outside rather than inside. So I'd like to set up this episode with some questions for us to consider. Do we have a complacency to love that means we have a near enough is good enough attitude in our relationships? And what I mean by that, that is, does it really matter? If we've married someone, does it matter that, you know, we don't take every moment to appreciate them in our lives or let them know how much we love them. If we've been married for 30 years or 40 years or 60 years, surely someone knows how much we love them. We don't have to keep going on about it. If we've been dating them for three weeks, surely, surely they know we love them by then. Or maybe we don't even need to say we love them. Maybe it's just a convenient relationship. Do we know what true connection is or do we accept a lack of connection as okay as long as it fits the picture or looks good? Do we blame others for not being in love with us first and not accepting that perhaps we might be holding back? Therefore, they might be holding back in reaction to our holding back and, oh my Lord, 
a plethora of misunderstandings and confusions ensue. Do we ignore the truth because it is seen as not loving to rock the boat or not play the game that is keeping us all safe? Do you know what I mean by that? Do you know you know when there's a um, a way of functioning in a family that everything's fine, but there's a real lack of love and care and attention and honesty in the family, and then you get a kid coming along, most likely a teenager, who starts um, exhibiting all these dysfunctional behaviours, and we're going like, "How dare you behave in that way? How dare? How dare you?" Um, say that I'm not being loving or how dare you say that I'm not paying attention to you. Of course I'm paying attention to you. But what that teenager is more often than not doing is pointing out the inconsistency of what we're saying and what we're living and actually saying, hey, come on, this isn't love. They may not consciously know that that's what they're doing, but very often children are the reflections in our lives that make us look at things that we might have taken for granted. So, do we ignore the truth because it is seen as not rocking the boat? Do we lack appreciation in our lives for the small things and the small things that build into big things? Do we notice when someone unpacks the dishwasher and do we say, wow, thanks so much for unpacking the dishwasher. Just a moment of appreciation. Thanks for not leaving your clothes all over the floor in the bathroom. You know, like the, if you say that without sarcasm, it really is just an appreciation of the fact that someone is respecting a communal space. Do we complain about not being met? And yet do we have shields for all and any situation to keep ourselves safe and expected? I'm going to go into that one quite a bit more because the shielding and protecting from being hurt is something that is very real in our lives and we must never devalue it or think it's easy to just get rid of a shield or a protective way of living. So I'll go into that one more, but I just want to plant this seed right now. Do we sometimes go missing in relationships? checking out in the watching of inane television or drinking ourselves into what we call a greater connection. Love my wine. I love connecting with you. Do we have a shared, shared interest in that wine? And yet, do we change our character as we drink that wine and therefore who are we having that correct connection with? When we're sitting next to each other watching television, there are some shows where you sit and you interact and you chat and there are some shows where you sit there side by side and there is no connection whatsoever. It always makes me laugh when we think that a good date is to go to a movie. If the movie isn't preceded or... or, or um, preceded... What's the word for after? Post-seeded? <laughs> I don't know. Or followed by a dinner... Um, then where's the connection? You've sat in a movie, mind you. If we go back a few years, you go to the movie, it's the first place you're on your own, it's dark and it's a pash place, isn't it? But really, nah, no, anyway, I'm going to leave that one because I might go down a rabbit hole if I carry on there. Um, have we given up on anyone understanding us or loving us and therefore have mastered Things like withdrawing, avoiding contact or putting on a face for the world yet feeling empty and dead inside. That is a very real issue and social media hides that one. But it's an issue that we should all look face, face on, dead in the eyes. 
Oh, gee, maybe that's a really interesting choice of words. Dead in the eyes. Do we look into people's eyes and see connection? Or do we see a distraction? Do we see the soul? Or do we see um, an emptiness that someone's feeling about the way they're living in their life? Do we feel undervalued, irrelevant? And we have to ask the question, and some sadly do, would the world miss us if we wasn't if we weren't here? Can you see the danger in each and every one of those questions? Like they're, they're they're shows in their own right, I'm sure. And I'm sure I'll get to the end of this episode and feel that we've only just scratched the surface of the conversation. When you peel back the layers, there is so much underlying all of that that's a need for recognition and acceptance, and we wait for another to do it before we do it ourselves. A need for feedback when there and, and when that isn't met, a little part of us is is so hurt. And that sows another seed that grows into a bigger resentment for all we've done for someone else. And look how little we're getting back. I look at the service industry as a prime example of where love and expression is conditional. If you think about the American way of service. And this is a major problem in America right now, okay? We laugh at it because they're always saying, hey, have a nice day. We're always mocking the fact that they're smiling and they're, and they're um, happy and they say, hey, lovely to have you here. But they have realized that people want to feel wanted and they want to feel recognized and met. The trouble is that the people who are doing it are not feeling met and understood and connected with by their bosses. And it's become something that is uh, a transactional uh, a transactional process. Love, a transactional process. Connection, a transactional process. So we have to consider if it becomes a transactional process, do we also consider love potentially as a financial imperative and that if we don't play the game we might lose our job we might lose our home we might lose our health care certainly in america that's a very real possibility we might perhaps even lose our relationship this morning i am talking love i am talking loving ourselves i am talking the livingness of love as opposed to the show and tell of love. When we think of love, I, I mentioned at the beginning that it's got some siblings and one of the siblings is truth. I have found that you really, really need that element of truth to build trust in a relationship that then has love at it as its founding um, principle. Truth is, fu- is fundamentally important. If you don't have truth, you have a lack of trust. You wonder where someone is. You try and control. You try and impose. You try and make sure that uh, it's your way or the highway. You, um, you question. You doubt. Very often when we think about truth, uh, we can say that the way someone speaks to us when they tell us the truth hurts. And I've been on the receiving end of many people telling me what they class as a truth, which I would class as a complete untruth. 
do I want to say the word lie? Hmm? I don't know. It, it, to me, it's it's not a lie. It's their it's their truth. They believe it's their truth. I don't believe it is my truth. And yet they might be saying something very personal about me. What I have loved are some of the um, expressions that people have brought into my life. And um, it's a, a wonderful friend of mine called Ashia. Uh, and she is full of joy and full of love for the people around her. And she said to me, you know, when someone brings a challenging situation to me and they tell me something that I don't necessarily want to hear, I always thank them for bringing it to my attention. And in that bringing it to my attention, I have an opportunity to look at what they're saying. Someone else, in fact, it was Jean Gamble, shared with me, what if when someone brings something to you that you feel challenging to listen to, you just take a moment and say, tell me more about that. Explain that to me more. Because then we're giving someone an opportunity to explain how they've come to believe what they've believed, to the decision that they feel is their decision, to the truth that they feel is their truth. We get to understand what the bridge is between their understanding of something and our understanding of something. There are expectations that come underneath these, you know, uh, truths that we hold. Um, If I believe that the, the most loving thing to do in my relationship is to have a tidy house and nobody else in the reality of my house believes that that's you know, an expression of love, then I've got a major problem because my expectation of them showing me they love me is to clear up after themselves. And I will feel very unloved if they don't clear up after themselves if that is my expectation of the way they're going to show me they love me. So I might feel very unloved and unappreciated as a mother. As a wife, I might expect my husband to bring flowers home to show show me he loves me like show really oh man I look I I would love to say that I haven't actually been and done that but I have um yeah Uh, even even the keeping the house tidy as a showing that they love me so what is what what is the what is the harm about the expectations I mean supposedly many relationships are centered around love um but we don't necessarily accept a person in their fullness because we're always slightly on the angle to, you know, mould them into the perfect person for us. I remember as a teenager, you know, I kept thinking, oh, look, what's what's my ideal man? What's the man? Who is this person I'm going to marry? Because for me, when I married someone, that was that was my commitment to them in full. I didn't go into marriage thinking that... I would come out of a marriage. Um, I felt that when I got married, I wanted to be married for the rest of my my days. Uh, that's incredibly... Um, I don't know if it's naive. It, it, sadly, I don't. I don't think it's something that we all do. I think all the shows that I've done with with Jean, with psychologists over the years, um, with Gabe and Annette, shows that we give up on love and we give up on relationships quicker than we're prepared to truly work at them, which is why I felt it was so important to do this show on love and unconditional love. 
because we need to actually understand that that love isn't always sweetness and light it isn't always easy but it is actually very simple and it should come from the way we live with ourselves as opposed to what we're doing on the outside so when a friend comes to you and says something that you actually find really difficult to hear just maybe consider saying thank you for bringing that to my attention it's not something i'm aware of um can you give me some examples or can we discuss it further we might still disagree in which case you know we could say could you give me a little bit of time to sit with that because actually i'm finding it quite challenging at the moment don't blame the messenger um i know i know there are some of the hardest conversations that you can have with people you love I don't think it gets much harder than telling your best friend that her husband, her boyfriend, her, you know, someone that she is deeply, madly and in love with is actually being unfaithful to her or him, you know, the person, your mate and, um, and that his girlfriend is being unfaithful to him. You know, those are hard conversations to have and very often... The messenger is the one who's shot as opposed to the person who's doing the behavior. So, no, I leave that. I think it's really important when we talk about um, speaking truth and how we shoot the messenger. I think they're important things for us to really consider. Is there any t- a truth in the way we approach our work? Do we have different... Uh, versions of truth and of love that we have in different areas of our lives. We'll go into this more throughout the show, but I wonder if the compartmentalizing of love means that we again reduce it to be conditional. So an example might be, I love my family and I put my family above everybody else. So when I go to work, you're not my family. Therefore, I don't love you as much. Therefore, my commitment isn't as much. Therefore, my attention to detail isn't as much. Therefore, you actually feel less and you feel my disregard or my disrespect because my sense of decency in those two different places is different because I'm valuing one over another. Now, Personally, that's not the way I have chosen to make a practice of living. I've chosen to make a practice in the last, well, well, 10 to 12 years of of actually trying to be more consistent in how I am in my home and in my work and in every aspect of my life. I found that the love that I am expressing in those different places is equal, and I've shared this on shows before in the past. I... I love equally, my expression of that love is different. I My expression of my love with my husband is different to the expression of the other men that I meet in my life, and they always will be. But the, the love and the attention and the decency and respect I offer, each of them, is exactly the same. I would say that the children in my home my expression of love, my physical expression of love to them at times is different to my physical expression of love to the of the children that I work with or the young adults that I work with. However, I hold them in the same respect. And I, I would put it out there as an opportunity for you to consider to do the same. Do you have a family first mentality? And does it matter? 
Or is there a bit that turns on and turns off? And therefore, what are you offering the person that you've turned it off for? It might not, you might say, yeah, that's fair enough and that's how you do it. But what if someone's being that to you? What if you're either in the club or out of the club? If we go back to being teenagers, surely that was one of our biggest hurts and that was one thing that we tried so hard to do. We all wanted to be in the club. We wanted to be in the in-group. We were looking for acceptance and connection with the groups that we were around. There is no difference in that to, 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 to saying, I love you or I don't love you. Oh, that reminds me of that little um, uh, daisy when you pick the, the petals off a daisy he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. Leaving it to fate, leaving it to that poor little daisy to tell you whether you felt loved and appreciated or not. Today's show is all about love, unconditional love. And unconditional means no pictures, no manipulation. I'd love to talk about harmony and love Harmony is a really interesting word, isn't it? Because it's, for me, it's a sense of ease in the body. It's a sense that there is um, no possibility of war um, because when you get war, you're more likely to get peace as opposed to harmony. Um, harmony doesn't judge. It doesn't have... Um, uh, individuality it, it it means that we are all we recognize that we're all part and parcel of that same body of love uh, which is my expression the way I would talk about it we're part of a whole body of love and as such the way we behave in that body of the love of love matters so we bring a harmony by being aware of how we're behaving and how our behavior has an impact on another it's like peeing in a swimming pool, you know, you kind of, everybody gets affected by that. Now I've done many shows on Stay in the Loop with Lucy on post-traumatic stress disorder or, or, or the syndrome or the, even just the post-traumatic stress experience. And all of them showed a lack of ability to process love and to allow love in and to love outwardly. There, it seemed that in the, if we take war, in the um, experience of going to war or in the experience of being in the police force, they are, they are being asked to do things that are not part of that harmony which we know to be part of our innate essence. And therefore, in order to do that as a living, we have to shut down the part of us that knows that it's going to be painful or that we potentially will get hurt or we're going to put ourselves in situations that are, you know, feral, really, let's be honest. And that human beings are the ones who are choosing to behave in that way or um, living with such a lack of responsibility that they're behaving that way that another human being needs to bring the order in. I mean, you know, hello, why on earth do we need a police force if we, um, you know, to keep us under control? Surely there is... If we lived in harmony, we wouldn't actually need an outside force to keep us under control. What melts that hardness? What melts those shields that we put up to tell us that we have to, um, you know, go into situations that are inhumane? Babies, animals, 
if you think about it, um, I know that uh, you know people who Vietnam vets, for example, will have a dog because the dog reminds them of the importance of their life that they are needed to support an animal that is waiting for them for their care that is reliant on them but also it reminds them that they have the capacity to love and to be loved pets and animals particularly dogs don't hold grudges well actually my dog does hold a grudge if it doesn't get a walk but I think actually that's just telling me I've been really irresponsible uh, just small caveat there um when we watch an adult melt around a baby, a baby is a really good example of another place where another another conduit, I would guess, for melting the hardness or the shields that we put up. Adults melt around babies and pull silly faces. They do silly moves and no one cares. We all smile. Like if I watch an adult with a baby, I smile at it in you know, the insane things that they're doing, desperately trying to get this baby to smile back at them baby on the other hand starts learning that actually if it smiles back at this larger person who's doing all these inane movements and desperately trying to get their approval if they smile back then it all stops you know they can rest a little bit more or they just want more but there's a transactional element to the attention and a transactional element that may turn into believing that attention means love always worth sort of looking at that do we feel safer in the harmony of pets in the company of pets than humans i know a lot of people who are much more comfortable in the company of pets around that that uh, that harmony that stillness and that playfulness and that non-judgmental experience the love that they experience from an animal. In fact, you know, if you really consider it, I think we should learn so much from animals and the way they love each other. Um, I would also put out there, do we hide in relationships with our animals because we don't trust not to be hurt by humans? Hmm, tumbleweed moment there, hey. So what is conditional love? Meet my pictures, don't push my buttons, show me love the way I want and expect it, see, and, and I will love you. And I will only be love and or accept your love when surrounding circumstances equal the conditions I have set. But, however, I do reserve the right to rewrite those conditions once they are met because we're forever evolving and we can forever deepen those conditions and expectations in that environment. Yeah, I love. I mean, I say that smilingly and I laugh, but boy, have I lived that! And boy, is it uh, unpleasant to be on the receiving end of. Um, I, I've been very fortunate. I don't think I've been on the receiving end of too many people um, relationships that have expected me to to squash myself into their picture. Um, but when I look on the bigger picture of life and community and churches, perhaps, and re so religions, just being general in religions. Um, schools, jobs, yes, in those examples, I absolutely have had to squash myself and what I believe to be true to fit in. Look at society and look at the life that we have at the moment and consider 
how if we choose not to drink alcohol, we are questioned. If we choose uh, not to um, go out at night, if you're 17 and you choose not to go to a party, that's seen as odd. If you choose not to drink when you're 18, that's seen as odd. If you choose not to take drugs, you're boring. You know, um, what is, what do we, what conditions do we put around it? Um, And what happens when those conditions aren't met? Um, And what do we do? What do we do? Do we sulk? Do we throw a tantrum? Do we start a fight? Do we break up? Jean's got that wonderful expression. Do we name, shame and blame? And then do we take that wound with us into another relationship? If we don't recognize the patterns of behavior that we have, we do tend to take those things into another relationship and then use the same energy to protect ourselves that we're objecting in the other person. And we walk around wondering why the other person doesn't just be themselves and open up to love. When I, you know, I wonder, maybe we are actually the ones who are not opening up to love ourselves. Telling someone the truth is part and parcel of being loving. So why would you hold it back? Why would you not tell something that, um, that, that might give them an opportunity to see something that might be the reason why other people are moving away from them? So if someone's rude, um, it might be saying, you know, the way you speak is quite harsh. Um, <clears throat> and then understand why they're speaking harshly. There's always a reason. Behavior is merely the outplay of hurt or um, behavior is, is, is there is always a reason to behavior. Always. Listen to my show on Tanya Curtis. She will explain that very, very well. So bring understanding to why someone is in our life and what lessons they're there and we need to learn from. Learn from. I mean, relationships are 50-50. So what have I got to learn in the person that I feel, find really confrontational in my life but professes to love me? What have I got to learn? Today's show is all about love, what it is, what it is not. This little section here, we are going to talk about connection. What is connection? What is being met? What does it look, sound and feel like? It's a little bit difficult, isn't it, when we talk about connection, when you think about social media and how big a part social media in the online world is in our lives. Is it possible to have connection through social media? I, I put the question without necessarily knowing the answer, but I know that I can be um, buoyed when there is a connection, when there's an interaction and an engagement to something that I post online. And there's a little part of me that wonders why people don't engage with other topics. What is it? Do they not want... Uh, to get involved? Do they not want to talk about it? Do they not like what I've posted? And I'm amazed at the fact that I even question or go into any of those things. Why do I care? When you consider that social media for a young person is a far more serious situation. Because the when you look at adolescent mental health and you look at the influence of social media on that and smartphones on that um, that demographic, it, it really is uh, quite shocking at how um, the feelings of good mental health have gone down as the rise in the availability and the access to smartphones has gone up. We're not going to get a 
connection, uh, the deep connection that we need as human beings online. We may find access to it, but we won't we won't find it person to person. And what makes it a little bit tricky is when young people have more friends online than they do in their day to day, which is very, very normal. They struggle if they're if they're the majority of their interaction is online to then understand how to interact face to face. So how to go on a date, how to um, how to let how to communicate. Um, If we're used to communicating in, I don't know, 20 syllables or less and emojis, how do you do full sentences? And we may laugh, but actually it's not really something, it's not unusual for a teenager to struggle with communication and making themselves understood and heard. And yet parents get really frustrated that they're not, you know, their kids aren't talking. Well, if we all spoke (coughs) in text language... We might get a little bit more out of them. Not that I'm encouraging that at all. I think it's really important to call out um, behaviour that's unacceptable and to call people to be more um, communicative because we're we're kind of breaking down a, a normal that we've accepted that really isn't normal at all. You know, one of the great things about having a dog is if you've got to take the dog for a walk, otherwise, like mine, the dog sulks. And um, so, and it's a, it's a great activity for us to do for our own health and well-being as well. But where do we take ourselves for a walk? And how do we take ourselves and the dog for a walk? Do we go with headphones in, head down? Uh, make, do we make sure we don't go somewhere where we can interact with anyone else? Do, are we quite antisocial or is getting a dog um, and going to the dog park part of your social part of your life? You're interacting, you're, you're connecting with other people. It's a really interesting um, thing if you notice. I, I go to a particular uh, park and there's a path and I walk around and I always like to walk a particular way around and I've noticed other people like to walk the other way around and... I love the fact that each time round, I'm going to smile and say hello to those people as we're going past. We might pass a comment or we might might not, but we've we've connected each time we go round and each time we go past each other. Um, but I've also noticed that some find it really uncomfortable and actually they're a little bit cross with me for going what they deem as the wrong way round. So um, I found that really... I, I found that also they were... The, the the people who were quite closed in their connection and there's there's one young person who I see every every time I go now and she just is she's lovely she looked people in the eye she says hello she hasn't got headphones in um, I went up with headphones the other day to because I was listening to a podcast and I ended up taking them out because I realized that actually my time walking the dog is also about connecting with me, connecting with the dog, not being distracted by something I'm listening to. So that was a really good lesson to me. Um, do we look for connection in in days like Valentine's Day? Do we look um, to say, yes, I am loved because on that day someone has truly connected with me. They've told me they love me and appreciate me. I, I rejected um, Valentine's Day. I told my husband not to give me anything on Valentine's Day. And I feel like I threw the baby out with the bathwater because... I don't think I didn't want anything on Valentine's Day. I just didn't want anything just on that day. I wanted to feel that I was loved 
all year round and every moment, 24 hours a day, rather than just that day. And I, I, I think I wanted, well, I know I wanted the actions to match the words. And I was fully guilty of not doing that myself and just turning it on for, you know, birthdays, Christmas, uh, Valentine's Day, wedding day, you know, like I turn it on and off. And I realized that actually that's what I was rejecting in another person. So the last little bit of this show is really going to be about um, learning how we can build that connection with ourselves and how maybe walking the dog is a great place to start. Um, Maybe dating ourselves is a great place to start. What do we like and what don't we like? And can we start building a love with ourselves that is completely unconditional. That means that we can't judge ourselves for what we do, what we think, what we say. We might have a number of whoops moments where we think that actually was, wasn't very nice or shouldn't have done that or could have handled that better. Um, I have a lot of whoops moments, but actually I'm really starting to see a shift in the balance of whoops moments compared to appreciating, wow, that felt different. Something about this is changing. Something is shifting. Loving unconditionally is is doing things like um, when you brush your teeth, picking up the toothbrush gently so that you're not scrambling to pick up the toothbrush and then knocking a few things over. I found that my being love and the way my being love comes out is it comes out in my movements and my movements are a great reflection to me of whether I am being love or not. Um, I might be doing love in which case, you know, that's a bit clumsy and it just looks a bit odd. But we might need to choose to do love for a bit so that we can crack through a surface and then drop into being love. We might need to make a choice to consistently and be committed to experimenting what does that feel like and look like with ourselves so that we are not waiting for someone else to do it for us and first. I want to also share, can you imagine doing this for the first time and not having done it for a long time you might be considering that people are going to freak out if you suddenly start becoming very loving. I mean, if, if you're used to being the grouch bag of the office and you walk in and suddenly start offering to make people a tea or change the, the paper in the photocopier, they might actually go, whoa, and not trust. What's going on? What do you want? Don't, don't um, resent them for thinking that or behaving in that way because we might have fostered the environment that makes people lack our consistency and commitment. Just be consistent, be committed and surrender to something that you know is more you and that we can't actually get away from than not you. I say something that is us completely because we are human beings we, that is our race. We are human beings. Just as a dog is a dog, and there are lots of different breeds of dogs, they look different, they, they, they make different noises, some of them yap, some of them bark, you know, but they're all dogs. We cannot get away from that. Just like a carrot is a carrot, however many times you chop it up into julienne pieces or eat it whole. It's still a carrot. We are still a human being. Now, 
I say, what if I switch the word human being for love? We are love. Whatever way you chop it up, we're still love. Whichever, however many, you know, outer, outer wrappings you put on, whatever clothes you put on, whatever, whatever you dip that carrot in, it's still carrot. We're still a human being and we're still love. Are you following my train of thought here? Well, you know, we've got to be playful. If we haven't really considered love as the word that we can substitute, then we won't understand the magnificence of what we're from and the depth of it and the potential of it. It's enormous potential. So be honest, let's surrender. We've got our Love Me First forum starting up and again, they're the third Tuesday of every month. Um, this week, um, this coming week, we've got it and, and we're talking about the way um, stress and anxiety can affect how much we love ourselves and also build ways to love ourselves so that we don't actually have stress and anxiety dominating our lives. So that is this Tuesday um, at Event Cinemas, should you be free. It would be lovely to see you. There is an investment of five whole dollars for coming. Event Cinemas have donated the room and are sponsoring the event. So what is love really? Um, is love love on the go or no? Like I always think of love as a as a feeling of stillness in my body. It's not a doing, it's a being. And as such, it has a stillness to it. And it, it is a source of all my information and my knowledge I get far more from being in that stillness and connecting to what I innately know is is right and wrong or true or not it allows me space to observe and not absorb all the stuff that's going on around me um, to be committed to get out of bed every day in order to go and work when actually I'm I'm a very sensitive person so I could potentially be so hurt by the world that I don't want to go out there and I don't want to be involved or help or anything else. One of the, the one of the questions I would ask is it takes a willingness to be aware of how we are to notice the conditions that we may set in order to make a choice not to have those conditions anymore. It does take a dedication. It takes a dedication to look for what is transactional love. When you again, if I go back to that conversation about the Americans and the American way of of um, service, and, and it's firmly embedded in their families, you are nice to people, you are polite, you um, you you offer yourself, and you you turn it on, and you and then when you're at home, you can turn it off. But that really leads to quite a um, an empty way of living, and. And, and so it's no surprise when we get examples of people and I, and, I, and I say it's really important we pay attention to this because when someone suicides and it came out of the blue, how willing were we to see that someone is not living the truth of what they know, not living their full selves, but because they've fit a picture, we actually haven't paid attention to the sub-conversation that was going on and perhaps they felt speaking very loudly from their body. We're not responsible for their choice or for their decision, but we can, we can make a decision in our lives to be very committed to being the, a person who wants to see below the surface rather than accept the surface. The reflection of babies and how we interact with babies, how we interact with, with pets and dogs, it, it's, it's a great lesson for us because 
um, they're honest. You know, they lack the social graces of, oh, you don't say that. I say to a child who says something that they supposedly shouldn't say, thank you, I hadn't noticed that or I hadn't even considered that I should, you know, that that was something to question. I don't actually know the answer, but let me think about it. You've opened my mind. And you actually see this child go, yeah, thank you. Um, so let's, let's encourage those kinds of conversations. Let's encourage those kinds of questions. And, and just watch out. There's a self-imposed isolation that comes from having a shield and it seems to justify the hurt because we can say no one truly loves me and no one because no one truly knows me. But they probably don't know you because you've got a shield up that keeps people away from knowing the true you. Looking back on my life, I can consider myself misunderstood way too much. And now as I get older, I've realized I have full responsibility for that misunderstanding. And as I get older, and I see this in so many people when they go through menopause, they say, I will not play that game anymore. And all of a sudden, they are being more bolshy or more headstrong or more this or more that. They're more prepared to stand up and, and speak out. So what happens in the middle of our lives? We've got these young people who are prepared to speak the truth and more often than not, we've got older people who are prepared to speak the truth and all the people sandwiched in the middle are trying to fit in and be accepted and, and, and live conditionally. I'm going to really be a champion for living unconditionally, for loving unconditionally, for being yourself and embracing that. Now, it really, the whole foundation for this show is about love. But it is always pertinent to remind ourselves that we are that. And that, you know, there are things that happen in our lives that make us think that we're not loving or that we're not love and that people don't love us and we're not loved. But we have to be the change we want to see in our lives. And we have to actually step into our lives, put on the front foot and say, okay, I'm going to engage in life in such a way that I bring what I want to see in the world into my life. So I, I put that to you and I say, you know, go and ask for some help. Come to our event on, on the third Tuesday of every month if you want to see other people who are on the front foot having the conversation. There are places online, I will link you to those that are having great conversations about love, about true love and um, have some fun resources. I love reading them. doesn't mean I have to join the organization that is putting them out or um, I don't have to, you know, read every article on the ABC or every article on Medium or every article on Unimed Living, but it means that they are all part and parcel of of. Um, different perspectives on life and I can make my own mind up. I can actually see which one feels most at ease in my body. So I put that out there. Uh, so to have a look at the links that um, that I'll put up with this podcast of this show. Till next week's show, be kind, be caring, be love. Be love has so much more meaning now, doesn't it? <laughs> Be all of you, like, you know, thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. And I look forward to having you next week. 